0: Likewise, husband, live with your wives in an understanding way. I'm like, okay, that's a generic statement. Mm-hmm. But the Greek word there is so cool. It means to seek to really know her continuously.
1: Oh, wow. I Isn't that, that beautiful? I'm writing that yeah, yes.
0: To seek to really know her continuously. And let's be honest, women tend to be a little more complex. And their oh, for sure. corpus callosum has not been damaged at the testosterone birth. And so their their emotions are never far removed from their decisions or their even if they're super structured and super linear, it doesn't mean they don't have that emotionality. And I mean that in a beautiful way, not like a dramatic way, but it's just different. And so Peter's saying, guys, you got to recognize, you can't just say, Oh, I know my wife, we're good. Mm -hmm. Cause you need to seek it. (laughs) I love the language, the imperative command here to continuously know who she is, ask questions about who she Mm. is, ask questions about what her heart's feeling and, And the why's and the how's and the what's and the who's and that's not every single woman but a majority of the ones i work with really appreciate when the husband is trying to understand her world
1: welcome to love and life i'm dr karen anderson abril here with my co-host
0: pastor elliot anderson
1: and love and life is your place to hear conversations grounded in psych research psychotherapy
0: and biblical truth
1: to help us thrive in love and life. All right, Elliot, let's pick back up where we left off with the engagement series. I have some folks in my world that are engaged and I'm looking forward to sharing this content with them. And I know you have some of the couples you're working with. You said, hey, this other stuff's great, but don't forget the engagement series. Don't leave us hanging. (laughs) (laughs) What's the next uh, phase in your curriculum for engaged couples?
0: Yeah, now that we're done with the intro and part one and part two of part one, (laughs)
1: <laughs> we we, yeah, are we had a lot now, of parts we're
0: <laughs> now on step two or session two okay which is love it's essentially no one comes to me and says we'd like to get married we don't love each other can you help us love each other so that's silly right so we know there's a baseline understanding and depth of love for this commitment pretty much everybody understands marriage is a big commitment mm. it's not easy it, it takes a long time it's it's a bunch so i just use that context of We know we have love. And I often ask very early in the second session some pretty penetrating questions. Like they sit down, they're all happy, they're excited, they've done their homework. We talk through their mission statement of marriage, and that's usually pretty cool. Mm -hmm. Uh, We review things like their roles and chores or things like that of that nature and kind of adding the depth and the pragmatics. And then I'll say something like, do you guys think love will be enough to keep you together? There's usually a little silence. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. And if they don't say anything right away, sometimes they'll say yes. Sometimes they'll say probably not. But I say, do you think any couples that are in my office that are getting ready to divorce after 15, 17, 20 years, don't love each other anymore? And they're like, well, if there was cheating or affairs, yes, probably. And I said, well, maybe that's changed the love, Mm -hmm. but they likely still love each other. And so it's just changing the context a little bit. I think when we're young the romantic notion that you find this one perfect love and that love itself is so beautiful and so strong that allows you to have a great marriage. It's just kind of an accidental myth. And certainly you have to have a pretty strong love. I'm not saying that's not important, but it's breaking it out comprehensively. What does love look like?
1: So you basically just are trying to burst their bubble and kill their buzz and as,
0: just- As kindly as I can. <laughs> <laughs>
1: so great of you
0: it is fun i thought you'd like that because I, I think you like it when i go after those premarital couples
1: i do actually it's funny because i remember at judson reading a book love is never enough is that mm-hmm. Beck?
0: that sounds like it but i don't know for sure
1: I know, but that's Tim, can weird you Google it quickly he's for us? Cognitive. Oh yeah, this is very Joe Rogan of us.
0: Yeah, Tim's going to Google. Jamie is always
1: googling stuff for. <laughs>
0: yeah, we're going to make sure.
1: Although we use Brave, please we don't use Google because the yeah. algorithm is is uh, designed. Aaron, to be. Aaron Beck. Okay, yeah, that's weird. Yeah. So right. anyway, um, I guess it's a very cognitive and cerebral approach then. That I remember as a young college student thinking, no, love is enough. And of course you get a little older. and I don't want to be like older and wiser because wisdom can come with with age, Uh, with young people can be wise as well, but you want to have many other elements of your connection that are in place to make the love as Tim and I talked about recently and you and I talked about last week, easy.
0: Yeah, or at least secure. (laughs)
1: <laughs> okay, that's right.
0: <laughs> you got to remember the confrontation side. Yes.
1: Yes, we're going to go secure with secure and difference. strong. Well, you know, words are powerful, so yeah. I appreciate that you're saying secure, and I'm saying easy, but the Fluid. foundation Fluid, yes, is really yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah the word go easy ahead. just has so many different connotations, as we know, and we already talked for about for sure.
1: It. it Yeah, as if it's as if it's simplistic, and it's not. Yeah. That's not what we're saying.
0: So then. After we talk through that a little bit, then I usually read the scripture for this particular session, which is 1 Peter 3, 1 through 7. Part of the fascinating background I always give the clients, whether they're steeped in faith and Bible classes at Judson or religion's brand new, faith and Bible's brand new, or they don't know it at all. Either way, I'm always teaching them context. And so one of the things I tell them about Peter is he's the only disciple we know of for sure who was married, which is very fascinating because a young Jewish male was married before 20, almost certainly Mm -hmm. majority of the time. And the fact that only Peter in this group was married is pretty startling that we know of Mm -hmm. not saying there wasn't. Mm -hmm. And we know Jesus wasn't married. That's very clear in scripture as well. So the fact that Peter then has this context of marriage in his third chapter of what he prepared and was inspired by the Holy spirit to give sets an interesting context. So I'm like, maybe I can take this a little stronger from Peter because he actually knows about marriage. So he he sets up the first part and he actually challenges the women first, which is really cool based on the context of Jewish male uh, hierarchy and talks about for the woman to make sure that she understands that when her husband is disobedient to the word, which is a cool framework that Peter uses in the early stages there of the chapter, that you need to win them back. He uses that language, win them hmm. back through your chaste and respectful behavior.
1: Oh, you're going to really ruffle some feathers with I that. I sure one.
0: am. And without words, without speaking, it's essentially saying through your quiet, your quiet and gentle spirit, and that's a looser translation, but it talks about the inner spirit of the Holy Spirit leading you to help your husband Come back to the Lord. Come back to faith. Come back to whatever He's lost in. Mm. So it's really fascinating um, points of Scripture there. Now, again, if we take it culturally in the context, women didn't have power. Right. Women couldn't walk out in the streets and start saying, "My husband's a piece of work," and mm. or if she was caught doing that, even at the uh, the exchange of the goods out in the the temple gates or something. I mean, she could be in big trouble. So we have to take that contextually and understand too. Women didn't have an easy to use easy an easy opportunity to voice concerns or spread gossip or demean their husband publicly so we're certainly talking more about a private context
1: so how do you how do the feminists take this and I don't a, lot, a lot of our feminists yeah. personally but I know most women in this generation not not just our generation but the younger and the older even the boomers most women are I'm a proud feminist how do they take that
0: yeah, most of the the ladies who are in there with me, I know them well enough, mainly are often, I've taught them for three or four or five years. So we already have a context and understanding. I know the personality, I know their spirit. And so I'm mm-hmm. if I have a really strong, independent, uh, feminist-type personality there, I'm going to set it up ahead of time so they know, here's what's coming. Mm-hmm. Here's some cultural context for it. Let's dance through it now, scripturally. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I'll even get out you know Greek words and what they mean more. Uh, thoroughly, if that's helpful, but I don't get as much uh, pushback and anger about the verses as you might think. Mm-hmm. Um, whether that's just the particular clients I have, I'm not sure, but it mm-hmm. hasn't ruffled as many feathers live on the spot as I think it would.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: often, if they've been in my human sexuality class, I've already talked about this passage at length in a class and we walk through it together. And maybe that's part of, it. And maybe then I tell them, you know what, the guy, the stuff coming for the, the man here in a minute is harder. So as much as you're frustrated with this piece, Peter's saying, wait till you hear what he's going to say. He's going to say about the men here in just a second.
1: Well, before we hop over to the men, I guess I think of a couple things from working with women, especially when I was very uh, active on Instagram, Yeah. sit tight, we're getting, we're going to get back on there people, but <laughs> especially when I was very active and with my single ladies on Instagram. My sense was whether they were able to uh, always articulate it because some of the messaging that women, we, we are told our grandmothers and mothers fought for our rights. And of course, I mean, no one's trying to go back to the day when women couldn't vote or when women didn't have the voice that they have in their homes yeah. and, and more equity in the marital relationship. But I did find that some of the norms that got tossed out the window, I'm taking a slight sidebar, that I'm going to bring it back. For example, in the day, even as a young girl growing up with mom and dad being pretty traditional, there were the very traditional gender roles in the house. Also, mom would never have encouraged me as a young woman on the dating scene to make the first move, for example. So things that some women have been encouraged to go ahead and do, I think they do because they think, well, I got to because the guys are so passive. We have an Mm -hmm. episode about that. They don't really want to. I think women still really want to be pursued. I think down deep, many women, even women who would say, I am a proud feminist. I am so feminist. They still would like a little bit of that traditional. They would like to be able to respect their partner, their husband, eventually, they would like him to take a leadership role, not that their voice would not be heard, not that they wouldn't have, it's a collaboration, this unit, this this marriage, this relationship is a complete collaboration of equals, but equal doesn't mean you have the exact same role within that dynamic and that system. So I think many women are probably craving that and are honestly sometimes acting in a more forthright and forthcoming manner within a relationship, a dating and then marriage because they feel they have to and they don't really want it. That's just my take. And that's probably an unpopular hot take, but I'm I'm saying it.
0: No, I've worked with (laughs) lesbian couples where they want to both be pursued. So, I mean, there's different variables here we could talk about.
1: We want to take a moment to say a quick thank you to our community for supporting our sponsor, The Wellness Company. We've been so thrilled to partner with their team of esteemed medical professionals, including Dr. Peter McCullough, Dr. Harvey Risch, Dr. Drew Pinsky, and other truth-seeking doctors we can trust. Many of us are feeling some post-pandemic uncertainty, which makes perfect sense, because now they're talking about this disease X that's supposedly about to break out at any time. But we can take charge of our health and prepare ourselves for natural disasters or man-made threats with the wellness company's medical emergency kit. It's the ultimate safeguard for your family. The kit includes vital medications like ivermectin, amoxicillin, and z with a comprehensive guidebook researched and written by the company's chief medical board. Visit twc.health slash lovelife and use promo code LOVELIFE for an exclusive 15% discount. That's twc.health slash lovelife and promo code LOVELIFE, all one word, for 15% off your order.
0: One of the other aspects of this this portion in Peter, that's helpful, especially now on the flip side, super conservative, quasi fundamental, homeschool background kids. No offense to him. Many homeschool kids. <laughs>
1: hey, we are all for the homeschool. Going that no back, offense.
0: I'm not anti homeschool by any means. No, Mm-mm. but Peter also says, "Let your adornment be not merely external, mm. the braiding of the hair, the wearing of jewelry," and that's sometimes helpful for that group of ladies. Who have maybe been taught that they shouldn't doll up they Mm -hmm. shouldn't be externally trying to to be beautiful in the eyes of society and and and, uh culture and Mm -hmm. so that's a cool thing that often helps kind of vary the stance on what peter's talking about
1: so that releases them to say hey i'm allowed to to be more um fetching to use an old-fashioned term and so they enjoy that because sometimes maybe in that community i don't know maybe some of those more like you said fundamentalist there's been that rigidity that yeah. you're not supposed to be sexy. Yeah. And he's saying, no, you can be attractive. Just also make sure you're attractive on the inside.
0: Exactly. As a higher calling. Yes. So that's the beauty of that kind of dichotomy there. So then Peter goes to the men. Can I go to that mm-hmm. side or you want to say something else on the women?
1: Just one more thing about, so I guess basically what I'm hearing, and then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say from just that first pass, and then you flesh it out a little bit. A woman could easily interpret that as like, oh, so I can't really speak my mind. I have to just be beguiling and manipulative and like lure him back.
0: That's so not, what, yeah, speaks. that's not what Peter's saying.
1: But that, In did fact, you hear yeah. that? Someone could perceive oh, sure. it that way. Yeah.
0: And that's, that's a great point. I'm glad you brought it up because I, I tell the strong women. Like your using, wife. <laughs> yeah. And using examples from my own marriage that <laughs> yes. it's not a matter of not speaking your mind. Peter's not mm-hmm. saying, shut up, don't talk. Mm-hmm. He's saying how you talk. Mm. how you challenge, how you bring mm. up is really, really important. Yes. And the tone and the tenor, any mm-hmm. man who's marrying a strong woman knows she's strong.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Right. When I talk to this with couples that are in my office and the guy knows he's got this really dynamo out, ba- uh, not out base, outward, strong, opinionated, passionate mm. woman. It's not like I'm surprising him with, hey, do you know your wife's really strong? No, they got it. Mm -hmm. So it's how, and then often these quieter, more introverted guys, because that's tends how those partners often go. They're like vehemently shaking their head while I'm talking about it. Like, yes, babe, I love when you challenge me. I love when you're hard, but please come at it gentle. Yeah, Please come at it with kindness, even if you're frustrated with me. And so it really tends to get us some really good dialogue that is starting to flesh out my exact point about love.
1: Mm.
0: He knows she's strong. He loves her power and opinion and passion. How she demonstrates that love with her word, her tone, her respect, her makes all the difference in the world.
1: And that can generalize to something we've talked about already, just how one of the things you like to do is teach, each other, teach couples how to love each other best. That's right. And we have ways, we have to have ears to hear. The communication will be, just fall to the ground without even being received if we don't say something in a way that our partner can receive it. Yeah. And we teach each other how to do that early on. And like we talked about, uh, I think it was last week where we talked about the idea that some some women have unfortunately not been able to teach their partner how to treat them even in the early days and then now, early days of dating. And then 20 years later, now they're realizing that not being able to coach each other, like this is, I of course, I want to hear what you, what's on your heart. Of yeah. course, this is the way that I can receive it and actually start to process it. Otherwise I'm going to shut down. I'm going to put my hand up and be like, that's combative that I can't receive that.
0: Right. And so again, the difference in our partnership styles. So I like challenge and confrontation. Mm-hmm. So I don't need Angie to be over the top cheesy kind,
1: mm-hmm.
0: but another guy who might be introverted and be a turtle or be a non-conflict, non-confrontational, even timid guy will need it. Right. And so it's knowing those differences, what that looks like. And so it's often, often these scripture verses with just a little bit of contextual teaching, a little bit of exegesis develops really strong conversations that kind of get the point moving. And yeah. that's why I chose them based on their passage.
1: Yeah. Well, and, and they that, that first passage you just shared for the women, that could definitely just it's get the conversation going. They're going to have a response to that.
0: Yeah. And, the part for the guys now is just one verse. So Peter pretty much spends six verses for the ladies. Mm -hmm. And then for the guy, it's just this power-packed one verse. So I pulled it up here so I could read it, quote it exactly. So he says, likewise, meaning this is a two-way street street here. Anytime the word likewise is in the scriptures, we know the similarities, right? The, The connection, even though it's only one verse for guys. Likewise, husband, live with your wives in an understanding way. I'm like, okay, that's a generic statement. Mm-hmm. But the Greek word there is so cool. It means to seek to really know her continuously.
1: Oh, wow. I'm Isn't like that beautiful? That. I'm writing that yeah. yes.
0: To seek to really know her continuously. And let's be honest, women tend to be a little more complex. And their oh, for sure. corpus callosum has not been damaged at the testosterone birth. And so their their emotions are never far removed from their decisions or their Even if they're super structured and super linear, it doesn't mean they don't have that emotionality. And I mean that in a beautiful way, not like a dramatic way, but it's just different. And so Peter's saying, guys, you got to recognize, you can't just say, oh, I know my wife, we're good. Mm -hmm. Because you need to seek it. (laughs) I love the language, the imperative command here to continuously know who she is. Ask questions about who she Mm. is. Ask questions about what her heart's feeling and, and the whys and the hows and the what's and the who's. And that's not every single woman, but a majority of the ones I work with really appreciate when the husband is trying to understand her world.
1: And I want to jump back to, again, my work with the single ladies. Time and time again, they just, they want to be seen for who they are and not just, not just one aspect. Yes, they want to be perceived as beautiful, but they want to be, they want to be loved and they want, for their mind. They want their boyfriend, potential future husband to be curious about what they think about something. They want someone to fully see them and get them. I, that's the way I, yeah, I remember beautiful. as a single woman. I want that's someone great, to get uh, me.
0: A great breakdown of the verses, what it means live and in the flesh. That's, that's awesome. And a lot of men don't need that. Mm. It sounds weird, but they don't that have the same, weird when you say that. same need to have that depth of known sometimes they wanted a little more simplistic just a basic level of respect a basic connection and a basic uh partnership of companionship and and i'm not saying all guys i'm just saying right. i've found that in my work over 30 years that sometimes the men don't need the exact same depth and it makes sense to me why peter didn't say it for the women to seek to know your husband in a really understanding way right peter said our paul says stuff in ephesians we'll cover next time like love your wives as christ loved the church like mm-hmm. boom oh my gosh We'll get into that next one. That's an enormous challenge. So Peter continues here and he says, next point, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel. Woo, what are we saying here? First of all, the word honor, that Greek word honor, okay. is not, not used in scripture, very, rare, very rarely used in the New Testament, except for kings and the Lord. Honor the king is something that Peter says about submitting to authorities and the government, even if you don't like the king, even if you disagree with the king honor his position the bible says that god appoints all leaders and that's hard even when it comes to our modern day politics and presidential stuff and i'm sure we'll do more stuff about that as the election gets close but to have this word in marriage (laughs) to have this word in marriage is really awesome and it's telling men seek to know her in an understanding way all the time continuously and then honor her as a woman
1: so what i'm hearing And I love that you have this biblical foundation having gone to seminary, which gets even me growing up in the church is going to a deeper level. So we might say, yeah, you need to honor and obey. And and I mean, I know a lot of people don't like those traditional vows in the marriage. But what you're saying is honor in this to fully understand. That's an incredible word he used for women who were not had very low status in society at that time. Peter's like, guess what? You need to honor your wife, meaning revere her the way you do the king Mm, and God.
0: That's yeah. the greatest That's mind-blowing. What I tell men this means Peter saying this is the greatest gift you've received from the Lord forever. And that's when we start to get into king and queen conversation. Yeah. And and some girls that get married young, we still got to get that podcast done. Early marriage, older marriage. <laughs> I'm mad at myself we haven't got this done cuz we'll have some good spicy debate on this one. This will be fun. But this whole aspect <laughs> this <saying>. whole aspect <laughs> of showing going. honor is A woman wants to feel like she's queen. And I don't mean boss of the house, which sometimes people are going to use that interpretation. I mean, to feel like she is royalty in her husband's eyes, right? That Mm -hmm. she feels beautiful inside and out. That she feels like he cares most about her outside of Jesus. Mm -hmm. Most about her in this world and that her priority, her preferences take precedent. Mm -hmm. Use my P alliterations here.
1: (laughs) And the
0: weaker vessel part, which people can get stuck on and miss the honor part, is sometimes crucial because the weaker vessel here is much, much more physiological recognition of the difference in gender strength and opportunity and status and position than Peter saying, hey, they're weak and frail. That's not what Peter's saying here. He's talking more about society and the generalization of understanding.
1: Or biology. I Mm -hmm. mean, we are weaker.
0: Yeah. That's why I said the that's, physiological nature. And, yes. that's yeah. yeah. I
1: wanted to underscore that because, and again, I have a very traditional marriage and though anyone who's listened to this podcast for one or two episodes knows I have, I have very strong opinions. And I'm not afraid to share them. And yet I love that Dan is stronger than me. And I mean, we do things like when we walk down the street, he's going to be by the street side mm-hmm. because, and if someone, he's going to make sure he stands between me and someone who we walk by, who maybe looks sketchy. I mean, i'm not supposed yeah. to protect him that is not that's never been the design yeah. i couldn't i can't do more than a couple push-ups he's doing 21 pull-ups yeah it's my always. Yeah, and,
0: no, and we talk about that in the yeah. session right there about it doesn't mean a woman can't protect her man you can protect his reputation you can protect his pride you can protect so his ego mean? what mm-hmm. does protection mean this is an aspect of love
1: mm-hmm. what mm-hmm. is that
0: awful whistling noise
1: We'd love to connect with you further via our weekly newsletter. Joining the Love and Life family gets you first access to bonus content and flash sale pricing for books and consultations.
0: And when you sign up, you'll receive Karen's Empowered Dating Playbook or My Empowered Marriage Playbook. Head over to loveandlifemedia.com to join the Love and Life family. So the third one then, he says, honor the woman as the weaker vessel since... They are equal heirs with you, with the grace of life. Now Peter's saying they're royalty, and they're at the same level as you, man, even though you got all this positional status in the society, because in God's eyes, you're equal. Multiple mm. times the Scripture says there is, there is either male or female, Greek or Jew, slave or free. Mm-hmm. That's Paul using that language, saying we're all equal in Christ's eyes. We're all his children. Those who have faith in him, believe in him, are all his children forever. We are his ambassadors. And then Paul and Peter use these royal terms. We are his kings, his queens, right? High priests, Peter says, we're all those kind of language to say here. And he's saying right here, we're equal heirs of the grace of life.
1: So one could argue that Peter was a radical feminist. <laughs> it's certainly <laughs> you, for his day.
0: You could say something like that. Yeah. It, I mean, that the Bible, was the Bible is re- revolutionary. The Bible's yeah. revolutionary in gender equality. Most people think it's completely biased, and right. that's, it's so radically not. Right. If you just would read the New Testament and put it in the cultural context of that day, you're going to be Which blown away. Which we have a hard time doing. You're going to be blown we, away recognizing how far in advance the Bible was.
1: Even for Mary Magdalene to be in the inner circle with Jesus would would have been very much what? she Yeah, can't to be a follower, to be them.
0: in the discipleship group. Mm-hmm. That's what following meant. You literally left your family and followed the rabbi. You yeah. followed the teacher, and the other Marys—Mary, his mother, and Mary, one of the mothers of John and James—who went to Jesus and said, "Hey, put put my sons at the right hand." Right? She was like, "Let me <laughs> let me get a little side here." Hey,
1: <laughs> strong-willed like mother, are my boys. Those say, are "Give my boys. boys some extra
0: blessing." <laughs> He's like, "Oh yeah, you know what's going to be a blessing? They're going to die like me." Woo! Okay, Ooh. here you go, Jesus. But anyway, that whole context, you're right. And, and again, in, they're in the upper room, uh, both during the Last Supper and during Pentecost when the, the Lord brings the Holy Spirit. So again, these are applications. I'm so glad you brought that point up. For any of our listeners who are out there thinking the Bible's old-fashioned and puts males first and all that, boy, does it not. Compared to historical data or historical books in that era, it is revolutionary, in its context. So great point, Karen. Thanks for bringing it up. The last one here is one of the verses that frightened me to the bone as a young man when I started reading scripture. And I tell other men, I set it up. I say, when I read you the context of this, if this doesn't scare you or make you nervous, you're missing the point. So I'm going to read the whole verse again. Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. Well, Peter's saying you jack up how you're supposed to treat your wife and love her. Your prayers potentially are hindered. Only a couple places in scripture where it talks about prayers being hindered. And this is one of them. Husbands, if you don't take your provision and protection and role as headship, which we'll talk about next week, with order, seriously... You dishonor your wife. You dismiss her, deny her, demean her, hurt her intentionally. Don't act like you're one with me. Don't act like you have access to my throne room. I'm going to sit there and throw favor and blessing upon you. This is your number one gift to take care of. It's a huge verse. It's powerful.
1: Well, I will tell you, and maybe I will share with the listeners in some other capacity, but Dan has had some like really profound prayers answered recently. Amen to that. (laughs) So uh, he must be doing something right because his prayers are not hindered at all. (laughs) No, it's been a real blessing. Yeah, for
0: sure. So I I deal with a lot of couples in crisis, right? And Mm. sometimes the men are stuck and they move out and they're hurting their wife and hurting their kids. And they're telling me things like, I don't know why, where is God? I can't feel God's presence. And I say, Mm. can we read this verse together? Hmm. This isn't going to be good to read. It's not going to be simple and easy, but man, Mm. is this truth that you need to hear right now? Mm. You know, and some of the guys are like, yeah, but she cheated on me. Yeah, she did that. I understand. I understand. But God's saying, take care of the situation. Get involved, get invested, lead, heal, reconcile, restore. Even if the end result is divorce, you still have a responsibility to love, to love like I love.
1: It's always fun when we see what we learned in a more secular capacity. I'm thinking of family systems now. Yeah. And how it mirrors what the Bible. So when we see like research-based psychology, research-based counseling strategies, like family systems, where we talk about the hierarchy within the home and the marital subsystem must be prominent and the preeminent, it must be at the top. And so I remember Professor Shea saying years ago in my marriage and family class at Judson, that the number one job of a father is to love the mother of his children more than spending quality time with his kids, taking his kids to baseball games and playing out in the backyard with them. The most important role he does as a father is to be the best husband possible, which yeah, really aligns with what you That's exactly
0: what Peter's saying and Paul says next week when we talk about order. Yeah. So usually some verses we read, it's just kind of a quick overview or a quick application. This one sometimes takes mm-hmm. the entire session. Oh, I can see that. If it doesn't, then we start diving into... Simple questions like, okay, let's just talk brass tacks. How do you feel loved best by your partner?
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And that brings commentary up and questions. Sometimes it's really surprising and known. Other times it's like, oh yeah, that's right on. Uh, And then I have the assessments that I'll either give them in the session if they're not uh, doing a great job integrating or talking through, or I'll send it for homework. One of those we put on the Empowered... um, What's it called again? Lost empowered Mary Chan book. Mary Chan playbook. Handbook. Handbook playbook. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a love assessment tool. And I'm just gonna read a couple elements of it right now. So on the back page is Stephen Curtis Stephen Curtis Chapman. I went to the musician.
1: <laughs> <I'm> <laughs> Gary Chapman
0: <laughs> Gary Chapman's love languages. <laughs> but on the front, it's the love assessment I created. And it says it's like ad libs again. We're just filling in off the cuff of our heart what I love the most, who I love the most, when I love the most, how I love the most, why I love the most. What we love receives our attention. What we see love receives our priority. What we love receives our emotions. I'm breaking love down into like 32 elements and expressions. And sometimes yeah. it really makes them think. Well, because one of them is like, what we love receives our money. So what receives your money? Mm. Oh, that's interesting. I guess I love coffee because I spend about $185 a month on coffee, right? Whatever that right. might be. Or, oh yeah, I have 17 subscriptions, net, uh, streaming subscriptions. And yet I can't pay my school bill.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And so we it breaks down different capacities. So people might, what does that have to do with love in a marriage? It has a lot to do because the priorities of marriage then and what you're going to decide to do together financially, priority is often attuned to, are connected with what we love. Mm-hmm. And how much do we know about that? Right? Animals, pets. We, we have four dogs between us we love our dogs. They get priority, they get time. They even dictate my morning schedule half the time with Snorty. (laughs) And um, that's just the reality of that. If you don't like animals, you don't like pets, that's going to be a really foreign concept. Mm. I mean, you're going to actually get up earlier just to make sure your pet's okay. And Mm -hmm. maybe people hate pets. You know, there's just, those are such small examples, but they cause massive connectivity or division in a relationship. Mm -hmm. Because the love of a husband and wife, which is super important, has to be first trumped by the love of you and the father, you and the Lord. And then the kids come in and then you got the work and then you got your hobbies and then you got your streaming and then you got your coffee. And (laughs) it's just kind of fleshing that out in a really comprehensive way. Then another, a a different one so that you have that love assessment and then you have the love languages on the back where you kind of do a quick identifier to remind yourself, most people have done it, Mm -hmm. what your top love languages are. And then, you know, I added to myself presentation and we walk through that. What does that mean? And challenge, right? Mm-hmm. Leave it to a, a Fox who's married to confront to talk about challenge as a, a love language. But most of the time couples understand that and get it. If we just put it in the kind of the context of how are you going to help each other become the best you give mm-hmm. some Adlerian concepts of the best self and our Maslow self-actualization, how are you going to become what you feel God's called you to be? And if you two aren't joint on that and moving towards that together, It's going to end up causing division. And and so we walk through that. And then I have this evaluation called a love categories priority evaluation. And so this is interesting because it takes all those love languages of Chapman and then throws in a bunch of mine on the extra side. Things like serving together in the community, confronting one another on hurts or issues, basic sacrifice and care for each other. Uh, provision for each other, presenting each other, all those kind of things. And you have to rank them on what the most important is. And you not only rank yourself, you rank what you think your partner's is. And here's where we have some dynamics that are quite a bit different. So for example, Mm -hmm. let's say, Karen, that you said verbal affirmations of love and respect. Ooh, that's number one for me. Mm -hmm. And you said, I think for Dan, that's number three. Let's say Dan ended up ranking that 10 Last. <clears throat> that's a pretty big shift. Right. Right. So you're making your own assessment of what you think your partner's rank is.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And and again, everyone's rank is fine, right? It's their own opinion, their own perspective, but we look for the differences.
1: This is like the newlywed game.
0: <laughs> a little bit. It's very, it's a little bit like that.
1: <laughs> for, for any of the Gen Xers out there where you had the whole, the gist of the show was you would say, you would answer the question for yourself, but then you would answer your question for what you thought your, your husband, because they were newlyweds would say, and then you would compare to see if if you knew each other well enough. Exactly.
0: That's exactly what we're doing. And it doesn't mean, oh no, this is trouble. Right. But here's one that would be a difference that is going to really impact their love. Touching one another for love and affection.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Let's say your rank is one, your partner's is 10 or vice versa. Mm -hmm. You're like, I don't need that much. Not a big deal. Maybe Mm -hmm. you've been hurt by touch Mm -hmm. in the past. Right. Sure. Maybe you're just not a huggy, lovey peep person, but your partner, it's number one. Mm. That's a big if- issue. We've talked about that. Go back and find our love language mm-hmm. episodes when we break every one of those down. Mm-hmm. You know, when some of the more nuanced ones, sacrifice or provision, that can have a different interpretation anyway. Another one that mm-hmm. tends to be big is time spent with one another. What does quality time look like? Mm-hmm. So that's why these uh, easy assessments can often bring a real good understanding, going back to Peter's verse, of how to love each other better. Wow, I didn't have any idea. Touch was so high for you, and this is what it looks like. Because we don't just say this is where we rank it. We explain what it means. Right?
1: I love that. That's a cognitive trick, as we've talked about many times, where just here's this level, and then you go maybe it's a statement or a thought and you go, well, what does that mean? Mean, How is it applied?
0: How's it integrated?
1: Right. Why is physical touch maybe a 10 for somebody? The meaning is, well, it's physical touch. As you alluded to has been, I've been abused by physical touch in the past. So it's not something I'm comfortable with. And in fact, love for me is you don't, you keep your hands off me.
0: I've had many marriages, not necessarily um, healed by this, but borderline. Sure, but restored, renewed, or created a proper foundation simply by this kind of assessment. Mm-hmm. And you would think husbands growing up in this day and age would would not would have a problem not recognizing this, but simple things like make sure you hug and kiss mm-hmm. and verbally tell your wife you love her every morning and every night. And sometimes mm-hmm. the, the need is just as true on her side. Mm-hmm. She's not used to that. She didn't receive that growing up. And maybe her husband's doing that, but she's not doing it back. She's just receiving that blessing of touch Mm -hmm. and affirmation of words, but not giving it back. Mm -hmm. And he's hungry for it. Mm -hmm. And so it's trying to, again, training. We're trying to create these strategies. Um, I like that word better than tricks, but I get what you're saying. (laughs) These (laughs) Strategies of fleshing out.
1: You're a fox. You should like tricks.
0: I I do. I use them (laughs) often, but I'd I'd like to tell people they're, they're positive manipulations.
1: Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I knew I knew you'd love that term. Okay. Not that I've
0: used that with you before. Maybe. Oh, I don't please. know. Yes. Oh, so my anyway.
1: gosh. My whole childhood. <laughs> That's right.
0: Well, those weren't always positive, but yes, there was manipulations. So anyway, it's a fun session. And most of the time, couples feel encouraged when they leave. Sometimes going through the conflict one, which we'll get to in a couple sessions, and the money one, which really is rooted sometimes in priority mm-hmm. and value and family pain, mm-hmm. those are tougher to leave, kind of feeling joyful and encouraged. Mm -hmm. This one normally kind of fires people up. And then one of the assessments for homework, Karen, in this one is I give them, especially if they're a young naive couple, if they're in the mid thirties, late thirties, I don't do this, Mm. but if they're young, I give them the homework for their parents, the how to become a better in-law document. Mm. And it's 10 questions for their parents about how to best now incorporate this new son or daughter into their family. And then including a letter of blessing for that new in-law. And these have been powerful. I I can't remember who I got it from. It's not my idea. I wish I could tell you it was mine. One of the premarital books, I think is Norman Wright.
1: Yeah. um, One of my Mm -hmm. favorite
0: guys, W-R-I-G-H-T, for anyone who wants to look him up. I think he's with the Lord now, but great stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, His premarital curriculum was one of my primary foundational inspirations for what I did are what I do. And so anyway, that tool, because that's another expression of love. And often the strong-willed mom or the distant father mm-hmm. who's scared, they feel like they're losing their kid. Maybe it's their mm-hmm. first child married or maybe it's the last one going. And they're feeling like, oh my gosh, my mm-hmm. life's going to blow up. It really gives an opportunity for some good sharing, some good connecting. And these letters of blessing have been profound. Lots of tears, happy mm-hmm. tears in my office when they're reading these letters. Mm-hmm. And if I know there's a really conflictual, difficult family of origin, I make sure the letter's sent to me first. Mm-hmm. I will give them my address, give them a stamp, stamped envelope, I know old school, or an email address, and make sure the parent sends it to me. I don't want this to turn into an accident. You know, We got the enmeshment stuff. We talked about the triangulation. I don't want this to turn into an opportunity to stab your son or daughter pre-marriage, which happens. And so there are times I receive it and I don't share it.
1: Wait, but you're saying that this would be the in-laws, so the future wife's parents would send it to the future son-in-law. Right,
0: but if there's conflictual, right, right, abuse, you, you, you and intercede. Damage, yes, I, have you had I ones
1: s- you can, you haven't been able to send?
0: Yes, and I've had really? to send, I've, I've had to send ones back
1: <laughs> and challenge
0: challenge look- the parent. Hey, I understand your feelings. You know, I'm always going to validate who they are. Oh my
1: gosh.
0: Um, I mean, they're not like psychotic. There's not like love this kid. I have no idea. I'd rather kill him. I mean, there's nothing that terrible, but sometimes there's such blatant, oppressive, oppressive thoughts or manipulative mm. thoughts that I send it back. Thank you for sharing. I need you to adjust this a little bit. If I'm going to, you know, I, just the reality wow. of what I do, but it doesn't happen yeah. often. It's very rare, yeah. but, it, but it has. I've been doing it for 30 years. It's happened at least three or four times.
1: I'm not saying that people wouldn't have that energy, but for them to put it down on pen and paper, I, that that's surprising. Or in the me.
0: email. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. That surprised me that they'd be that overt about it. but
0: Yeah. And so then the homework, Karen, depending on whether we got through these or not, one of the homeworks then would be the intimacy evaluation, which you and I have talked a lot about. It's fleshing out all the non-sexual intimacy categories Mm -hmm. where I give you examples of what that is and you rank them between one and six, how important they are to you compared to your spouse, future spouse, and you walk through together Again, it really doesn't matter what the scores are. It's not the big of a deal. It's how they align. Mm-hmm. So if recreational intimacy to you is like a w- super important, a six, and your spouse is a zero,
1: mm-hmm.
0: well, it's not the end of the world. You might be fine, but let's talk about it because that's a big differential. Right. Angie and I have a big gap there. She's not mm-hmm. very athletic. She doesn't like to go out and do a whole lot of things physically, but recreation's super important to me. All my racquetball, and mm-hmm. I don't like golf much, but... um, In my background, basketball, pickleball, all this stuff's really important and I I need it weekly. So it's just us navigating that and recognizing Mm -hmm. what the differences are. So I don't want couples to freak out if you got a variable. But when it comes to like family intimacy, if that's a big variable, that's a lot different than recreation intimacy. Mm -hmm. So you have these different levels of intimacy. And again, it ends up being a really helpful tool to not only start getting ready for sexual conversation, because I hate when people say intimacy is the word they use for sex because they're they're different. It's just one element of intimacy, but that tool's good. And then I also give them often the, so you think you know your spouse exercise,
1: mm-hmm.
0: which I create on purpose for these younger couples that think like
1: they know every single aspect of each other.
0: Again, more like Mad Libs, for those of you who grew up in that era, Gen Xers. Um, it's like you have to name your favorite color, your favorite actor, your favorite book, your favorite jeans, your favorite shirt. It's purposely so comprehensive. You can't possibly get a great score. It's just a way of showing them again. Love takes time. Love takes investment and energy. You have to name their school. They grew up in their elementary, their middle school, their high school. You have to name their first dates. You have to name all kinds of different contexts how they came to know the Lord, what their church name was. Just, hey, if you think you know each other really well, this this test is going to help you know you got a long way to go. Don't panic. Just start investing more time. Right? We get to the point where we're planning for marriage and now we're planning the wedding and the wedding just takes precedent over everything. Oh, yeah. And this mm-hmm. is just an assignment to help you integrate again. Please continue to seek to know each other
1: mm-hmm. in an
0: understanding way. Not just, did you get the invitations done? Did you get the flowers order, right? We just get so preoccupied with the wedding day, a singular day. This assignment's meant to make sure we're still in that longevity journey of investigating our love together.
1: Well, I want to take the, so you think you know your spouse quiz. Let's see how you
0: do. Let's see how you do. I'm curious. I'll send it. (laughs) All right. Let me uh, pray for us. Yeah. Lord, thank you for your love. Uh, First of all, Lord, it says in, One of the most famous verses in the world, John 3, 16, that you sent your son to us because you love us so much. And then Jesus, Lord, tells us there's a new commandment. I think it's John 13, 35 and 36, where Jesus says, uh, he's talking to his disciples. He says, I give you a new commandment to love one another as I have loved you. And it's by your love for each other that we will know we're your disciples. Lord, the new commandment was not because it hadn't been said in the Old Testament or said long ago to love you and to love others, but because Jesus showed us a new way to do it with complete devotion. And so as we talk about love, Lord, in the romantic relationships, building partnerships, uh, improving marriages, the comprehensive nature of love, Lord, we have to seek to know each other in an understanding way, honor one another as equal heirs of the grace of life. Lord, sometimes challenge each other with gentle and gracious words, respecting each other's understanding of love and how we receive love and comfort and how we give love and comfort. May couples be inspired to do the work, to integrate deeply, to look at the materials Karen and I put together on building an empowered dating handbook and an empowered marriage handbook. And Lord, our love for each other is a reflection of our love for you. May we do it with Great honor, wisdom, discernment, priority, and intention. Amen. Yeah. Love and Life is produced by Tim May and hosts and executive producer Dr. Karen
1: Anderson Abril.